Develop your schedule based on what works for you, not based on what works for the rest of the world. And welcome back to Off Record with your host, Corey Levy. Today, we speak to musician, businessman, and philanthropist, Aloe Black, who is best known for his hit singles, I Need a Dollar, The Man, and writing, performing vocals on Avicii's Wake Me Up. In this week's episode, Aloe takes us back to his teenage years, telling us a defining moment from when he went from corporate America to landing a record deal, and then he offers some good advice for how young people should feasibly follow their passions. Later in the episode, he very interestingly touches on the current intersection of technology clashing with music and what he thinks the future of streaming will be like. There's that and many more. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Off Record. Thank you so much, Alo, for joining the show today. Really appreciate you taking the time. I'd like to get started by asking you a question. What, what, were, your, what were your teenage years like? What made you distinct as a child? Uh, during my teenage years, I was the kind of popular kid in class. I was friends with all the different groups of kids. And, you know, by the time I, in middle school, I was in student body. So I was representing my, my grade and in, in the school government. And then senior year in high school, I was senior class president. So I was always just, you know, friendly and engaging with, with all different groups on campus. But I think the one thing that made me super unique was that I was into hip hop and it wasn't, there weren't a whole lot of people on my campus that were into hip hop. So I spent a lot of time on on the weekends, even on the weekdays after school, writing and recording songs with my friends. And that was just as a as a passion project, as a hobby. Tell us a little bit about how you turned music into into a career, since I know it wasn't right out the gate. Can you talk yeah, about it wasn't that? right out the gate at all. No, I started recording and writing music in, in high school as a freshman. And then by the time I graduated, I had created kind of a following in the local area and in Southern California because the DJ that I was working with in, informed me and instructed me on how to create mixtapes. So we would record mixtapes and then take them to local events and pass them out or sell them. And those mixtapes ended up becoming pretty popular. Local radio stations like the college stations at at UCI wanted to have us come to the the station and interview and perform our songs and play our songs on the radio. So I didn't really see music as a career. It was really a passion project and a hobby because I ended up going on to university at at USC in Southern California and getting a job in corporate America. But um, I always continue to do music because I loved it. And I think, you know, anything that you love to do, you should you should always just continue to do it because you'll one fulfill yourself but your proficiency in in that activity will will grow was there a defining moment in, in making the choice of switching from the corporate sector to the more creative sector? Yeah, I'd say I'd say the most defining moment from switching to the self-employed sector was getting laid off from my consulting job. I'd interned for four years, four summers during university, I, and I worked for two years full time. And during a you know like a big reduction of force, since I was one of the new hires, I got laid off on the chopping block. And then I just decided I'd focus on music for a little bit. Maybe I'll go back to school. Maybe I'll get a PhD. But music started taking off and I got offered a recording deal from an indie label and I just really incubated. I started really studying my craft and, and honing my craft because now it was no longer just a hobby. You know, I was engaged in a contract to make music and release music and sell music. And I took that seriously. From the time when you got laid off to the time that you got that contract, how long was that? I got laid off three years before I got the contract. So in those three years, I really dug my heels in and just started making as much music as I could and failing a lot (laughs) in the process, but learning from those, learning from mistakes. If there was one thing that you could pinpoint that has contributed to your success more than anything, what would you say that would be and why? 
I'd say being open-minded and taking on things that really don't feel comfortable. I'm not a trained singer. I am a rapper and an MC and hip hop is, is my life's blood. But when I got signed to this indie label, they wanted me to be a vocalist. And so I took that on and I thought it could only make me a better artist. And it ended up being true. And it also ended up being, you know, my career path and my, my stability in life in terms of, you know, financial stability and, and like being able to make so many other dreams come true, not just my own, but, you know, other people around me. And I guess before sending that contract, that must have been a really challenging time, you know, three years um, unemployed. What was, you know, no income? What was that like? Was that hard? Yeah, I mean, living with no income is is a precarious uh, existence. You want to stay well within your means. And so I did that. Moved into a house with four other musicians and we shared rent. And But we also shared inspiration and, and musical moments. And all of that was very instructive, informing kind of, you know, the path that I was engaging at the moment. And I never really had a worry about like what's going to happen for me in the future. But there was a time where, where <laughs> I uh, thought, you know, I don't know if this music thing is going to work out. I'm going to probably start substitute teaching and, and just take a take a, a couple of day jobs here and there just in case and, and did you do luckily that? no luckily I never I never had to um, I never had to, to take a job you know just right at the right at the moment where I thought I was going to take a job I got the recording deal awesome. which came in advance that helped me cover rent for the whole year and gave me the opportunity to just focus on more music what would be your advice to, to young people trying to figure out what they want to do? I think for young people who are trying to figure out what they want to do, there's probably something you're already doing that you're really good at and that you love. I'd say keep doing that. Even if it's not a career path right now, it could it could end up being something that is, number one, just fulfilling to your soul. But number two, it could end up being something that, that yields uh, a, you know your life's income. And take a job anywhere that's comfortable while you develop that, that passion. There's no shame in, in taking a job while you develop your passion because you got to eat and you got to pay rent. But if you're young or right now, like if you're in high school or middle school, elementary school or early college, whatever it is that makes you really, really smile and that you would do whether you were being paid or not, that's something to really focus on and like hone in on because those are the things that will sustain you for the long run. How do you manage your life and time? Do you have any morning or afternoon or evening routine, something you do every single day? Yeah, time management gets more complicated because now that I have a family, I've got kids and it's basically they manage the time. It's all based on keeping things consistent for them. But I would say, you know, when I was when I was single and working, uh, honing my craft, most important thing is to find the times that, that you work best. I worked best after going out to the nightclub and getting inspired. So I'd be in the club from, let's say, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. So uh, roughly. And then at 2 a.m., I would st- I would go home and I would you know make a big meal. So I'd have like a 3, 3 a.m. dinner slash breakfast. And then I'd start making music from that time until 5 a.m. You know, inspiration could come at any time, but if you understand yourself well enough, you should find find your schedule. Develop your schedule based on what works for you, not based on what works for the rest of the world. Because the rest of the world is running on clock that is extremely restrictive and has a lot to do with just the practicalities of, of everyday life. But your inspiration, your goals, and your focus can be impractical. But one day you can show the world how, how practical it is. I like that. And and when there are different viewpoints, how do you make hard decisions? 
Yeah, you know, for me, when there are different viewpoints, the hard decisions are made by the gut feeling. If it's not a yes, it's a no. And it's a no until it's a yes. If I'm just not feeling something, then it's not worth compromising because of the pressure. And with that said, there are so many ways to negotiate that you can concede in one in one place if you're getting something that you want in another place. So, you know, for example, I work with a lot of musicians and, and producers. And if we don't agree on something, then we just make multiple versions. And everybody gets what they want. And and I think that's that's fair. And we let the world decide then what, what the best version is. And when putting things out to the world, what's your advice in terms of getting attention? Authenticity is super important. In my discipline, in my field with music, in order to get attention, people have to recognize something that's raw and real and true. And it's got to make them feel like the best version of themselves. So if you are offering a product that improves your life and you believe it improves other people's lives, it's got to be authentic. It's got to be real. And people have to recognize that it's real for you. And when they're engaging with that product, they have to feel like a better them. So if you want to market it, first, most important part of marketing is to make sure that it's a great product because that is half of the battle. The other half is exposure. And that exposure can come from a lot of the contemporary methods of social media. But when people see you engaging with your product or you or people see other people engaging with the product in a way that is undeniable, undeniably authentic, it kind of sells itself. Do you have a story of maybe something like any stunts or anything you did? Yeah, for me, a lot of a lot of the stunts that end up getting pulled to get exposure for my music is working with a very niche audience. The niche audience that I work with are music supervisors, and they happen to be an important niche audience because those music supervisors choose the music that go on TV commercials, films, and television shows. When they choose my music, I get the benefit of millions of ears exposure once the song is chosen and put on television or on a film trailer or in a video game. So if I were casting my net very wide, and trying to market to the 300 million people in the US, I'd probably not hit anybody. But because I cast my net very, very small and very specifically to music supervisors, which is, I don't know, a few thousand in Los Angeles, I end up with a greater leverage. And so in terms of tricks, you know, my industry is super specific and, and my practice is super specific. And I think there may be analogs for every industry. I agree. And what's something controversial today that you think won't be tomorrow? <laughs> There's this a lot of this pushback coming from the current administration on transgender and the LGBTQ community. And I believe in the future, nobody's going to be worried about any of that stuff. We have much bigger fish to fry as global warming and, and climate change ensues its wrath on the earth. We're going to have to figure out some things that we won't even be able to entertain ourselves with kind of the, the minutia of uh, our social issues. What would you say growing up or now as an adult? I'm curious, did you do anything that your family thought was, they thought you were crazy? Whether that be not getting a job after Ernest and Young? Yeah, I mean, or... my parents were definitely of the old school mind that you have to have a job. There's no such thing as music as a career. Um, and they're super practical. They come from, from Panama, where grew up in working class families and, and they worked every day of their lives till they retired. And they didn't see entertainment as a viable career. But that said, they trusted me and they'd seen you know successes that I had in the past and they knew I had an aptitude to engage in this environment and, and if I chose to I could probably go back to corporate America or to academia so there are plenty of safety nets and uh, some of my friends even when I when I made the transition from rapping to singing some of my friends thought I was crazy like why are you singing you're a rapper you shouldn't be doing this but like I said you know when you're open to to change and you take things on and, and willing to take that risk it's that transformation you know the phoenix from the fire that will probably 
yield some some of your biggest results. And who are some of your, uh, I guess, friends that you work with that mentor you, that inspire you? A lot of my, my friends are indie and underground artists. There's my closest collaborator, DJ Exile, who has been making amazing music and, and classic albums in underground hip hop as, as commercial hip hop has kind of changed in, in a lot of ways. He's stayed steady in, in making some of the stuff that has really been lauded as, as classic work over the years. If he doesn't like it, it's probably, it's probably not going to do very well. So I, I value his opinion greatly. I work a lot with my, my band members were in the studio, I give a lot of uh, freedom to them in, in terms of how they choose to play pieces that maybe I've written or other people have written. And on stage, I give them the freedom too, because everybody's got their own personality and, and character. But in terms of mentors, there are business mentors like Simon Fuller, who had signed me to his management company, gave me a great piece of advice because you know he, he recognized that I was super concerned with owning all of my creations from masters to copyrights. And he said, control is just as, if not more important than ownership. You can own something. But it's about the person who controls that where the decisions get get made about where does the money go and how does the product get used. So that was super important because, you know, he he created and owned American Idol and then he sold it. So not only was he paid to sell it, then he also had the opportunity to kind of control it as, you know, as a lead consultant on how to run the business and continue to be paid a salary, which is smart. Right, right. I guess for someone growing up right now, what are some ineffective things you see people do in the music industry? You know, where do you see the most time being wasted that, you know, if, if you were mentoring a young person, you would say, hey, actually, you know, don't worry about that. You should spend more time doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that I very much despise about the music industry right now, or in general, is having to tour to continue to build a fan base, which is the absolute uh, truth about building a fan base. People are still human beings. So we can engage with with uh, artists on our social media and through streaming, but touching, seeing, feeling, being in the same room as is a whole other part of the experience. And so I, I kind of fight against it, but I would tell you know artists that are strictly kind of focusing on their internet game to get out and touch the real world and build a local, real, analog, touchy-feely, sweaty human base that can, can sing your praises and champion you to the next city that you're going to develop and then the next city and the next city. Got it. And what's something you know you should do, but you haven't done yet or that you're working on? I'm getting involved in, I'm involved in the world of storytelling. I write three minute stories. I write songs, but I really love storytelling and I want to engage in longer form. So I'm, I'm kind of reluctant to do it, but I know I need to write a script for an idea that I've had for too, too long that the script should already have been written. So that's what I'm getting ready to do is start writing a script um, for a TV show that, that I've got an idea for. Nice. What would you say some of your biggest challenges are right now, either personally or professionally? The biggest challenges are control. So as my mentor said, I have ownership of my my copyrights, but I don't have 100% control because I'm in partnership with a record label. I've got management. So it's basically getting through the, the process of everybody agreeing on what is the next song to release and, and how well do we think it's going to do and how much money should we put into it. And of course, I believe in every song that I write, but there are other folks that are involved that have more experience with really how things are working. Um, and I may be blind to my own devices thinking that just because I think my song is good doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work. And it may be a great song, but we've got to engage really smartly with the way the market works nowadays and how we spend money and how we build a fan base. 
Technology is obviously something that has come that has changed the music industry a lot. Where do you see sort of the future of of music and technology interacting together? Wow, feels like it's in a place where it will stay for and remain for a while. The streaming, the streaming kind of world. But I believe that things will probably become more and more specific. So right now we've got huge distributors like Apple, Spotify. Basically, it's a clearinghouse of music for a nominal fee per month. You can get everything that you want. But I think there's going to be a competitor that comes around and says, "Yeah, but you don't want everything. You just want this, and you should only be paying this because this is all you really want." And so the pricing points will probably drop and catalogs become much more specific. And I think just like everything else in the world that undulates, that waxes and wanes, I don't know how many generations it'll take. We'll get back to a system where people are buying one song again, or people are subscribing specifically to the artist that they want to engage in, or with a very narrow group or subsect of artistry that they want to engage with. Do you think we'll see that in our lifetime? I actually, I think we will see it in our lifetime. I really do, and I feel like it'll change over time. Like um, your your sub your subsect will change over time. You you might be strictly pop when you're in elementary school, and then probably in by middle school or early college, early high school, you'll completely abandon pop and and go straight for underground super artsy. And then by the time you get out of college, you're probably going to be somewhere in the uh, in the range of like you know adult contemporary plus a little bit of artsy, but I think you'd be able to curate it and you'd probably be able to pay for play instead of monthly subscription. And that pay for play is probably going to be much less than the $1 purchase that the old system was. I, I think I think it's going to turn into a utilities type of scenario. And if there was one or two things that you would tell your younger self, what would that be? Ah, uh, practice, practice more, practice all your instruments, practice your languages. All of these tools are going to be extremely helpful in the future and be assets that will enrich your life and livelihood. Is there anything new that you're practicing or learning right now? The I'm, I'm trying to completely become fluent in Spanish. I should be already, but you know, I'm conversational and the next language I'd love to learn is German because it's a huge market for me. Got it. And do you, do you have any books or podcasts that you listen to that you'd recommend? I don't listen to any podcasts and I, the books that I read are generally based on, or, or, you know, nonfiction, like Confessions of an Economic Hitman, which is, uh, it borders the line between fiction and nonfiction. It's like a true story, but it's mainly based like historical, historical facts. So historical fiction, let's say, okay. and, and biographies like uh, Quincy Jones' book, his autobiography. These are the kinds of things I enjoy reading. And I've named my daughter Mandela. So of course I read Long Walk to Freedom, Nelson Mandela's book. I stick to reality, even though I'm trying to write fiction. <laughs> the stuff I read is totally nonfiction. Ceronic. I asked you if there are any questions that you think I should ask that I haven't yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a hard one. I, yeah. I'll just answer them. If I were to live anywhere other than the U.S., I'd probably live in Switzerland. I find it to be an extremely fascinating country, really comfortable for me. I love how green it is. I love that it's the buffer state between, you know, in the past between warring nations. I hope one day to own an island like Larry Page and Richard Branson and hopefully right next door to them so I can paddle surf <laughs> to their houses the way they do to each other. <laughs> Jet ski over. Love, love it. <laughs> and my main motivation in music, uh, I took this career when I when I signed a major record deal was to try to match or exceed Michael Jackson's charitable giving and not necessarily in kind and in, in 
but it, value in kind. So he, I believe, is recorded to have given $350 million worth of, worth of philanthropy and charity. And if I'm responsible for that kind of work, then I know I'll have done as much as I can. But then I heard about the living or the giving trust that Zuckerberg and Warren Buffett and Bill Gates had created. And I know they're going to be giving much more. So the ante is upped. But at least for artists, uh, you know, I'm competing in, in my industry. Michael Jackson's the, the premier giver. I like that. What, what organizations do you like giving to and like supporting? I believe in the concept of working locally and, and being a patron in my in my neighborhood. So there's Community Coalition of South Los Angeles, which is an organization that helps to improve the schools and reduce the, the kind of blights on the community. They were successful in shutting down about 200 liquor stores, which were completely superfluous in, in the neighborhood and fighting to end injustices in the school district systems. Uh, willful defiance that contributes to the school-to-prison pipeline. Um, organizations like v- uh, Peace Over Violence that support victims of domestic violence and also uh, spread knowledge and information about how to engage in, in, in relationships peacefully. I've created an organization called Artivist Entertainment with my my friends, and it's a for-profit organiz- organization, but we function like a non-profit in terms of um, sponsoring, and, uh, sponsoring local artists patronizing local artists and giving artists who have who use their voice for positive social change uh, a platform well great well Al, i really appreciate you taking the time thank you thank you once again for listening we hope you enjoyed this week's episode with aloe black thank you so much again aloe for coming on the show it was definitely unique to hear what the future of music technology lies from a musician and not a technologist also he did a great job of outlining how we transitioned from a nine to five to a passion and how you could do that too very insightful for listeners from all backgrounds you can find all these links in the description you can also follow your host Corey levy on twitter at Corey. thank you once again and other than that we have shows coming out every single tuesday so stay tuned and we'll see you next week on off record